You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you see? You see? That's right. I, I, I know how to work it in here. If I just stand silent long enough, somebody's going to do that. So I know you guys. You guys are awesome. Well, welcome. If you're with us first time, we want to welcome you. My name's Andrew, senior leader here at the church with Jocelyn. We have two of our team members out. We met Jay already. He's been up here, but uh, we want to welcome you. Um, uh, I know that as we're moving through this strange, strange, strange time, I mean, I'm 53 years old. I've never experienced anything in my life like this, what's going on in the world right now. Not just with the pandemic, but with everything else that's happening. Now we've got this cloud, right? We've got this Sahara sand cloud that's coming over, you know. It's like, what's next? (laughs) What what else is going to happen? Guys, I want to just encourage us with something. And I know you know this. Are you ready? Jesus never changes. He never changes. Hebrew says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what does Jesus do? He reveals the Father, right? He heals the sick and raises the dead. And he brings life, right? He's truth. He's the way. He's the life. This is our Savior. This is the one that we have living inside of us. I can't stress this enough, that we need to keep our attention focused in the right place. How many times do you think the kingdom of God could be extended into a certain culture or a certain atmosphere if we as the body of Christ would simply keep our minds set on that thing right there. It's so easy to get caught up in what came across the news last week or what came across recently or what came across your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed or your Instagram. Can I just tell you straight up, that stuff will hurt you. I'm serious. Be careful what you digest. Be careful what you take in because you can start coming under the influence of the one who has the, he's, he's got the whole world under his influence, right? First John says that, right? The whole world's under the sway, under the influence of him. We don't want to, here's another one. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Think about what flows through the air. Just chew on that for a little bit. Think about what flows through the air. So, Be careful what you're digesting. Be careful what you're holding on to because I'm telling you, guys, I may sound like a broken record here, but I won't give up on this. This is not a fad. This is not just a craze for me. I want to see revival happen in the church. And listen, I know we all want to see it, but we've got to be really, we've got to understand this. Revival starts where? In your own six square feet. It starts there. It's just a little change, a little shift where we start approaching and going, I have a different view. I'm bringing a different spirit into the atmosphere I'm walking into. I'm not going to engage in conversations of fear and worry and anxiety. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to engage in it. So all that to say, that's message number one. <laughs> I, want to, I want to bring us a little bit further, though. I know we're, we're dealing with this, this corona thing, the COVID thing. Um, I want you guys to know, as a church, as a leadership, we are constantly monitoring what's happening. It's not like we've checked out. We're not living in some kind of denial that, oh, well, you know, we've got Jesus in us, so we don't need to worry about that. No, we need to be mindful. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves, right? We need to be mindful, and we watch that. We pay attention to it. We're talking about it almost every day. We're talking about it. So I want you guys to know this, that what we're stressing here is personal responsibility. 
Okay, the world loves to have somebody tell them what to do. We want to stress personal responsibility and honor and recognize that some people may be coming in the door that just want to be here but don't want to touch. We need to honor that, respect that. Some people don't care. We're going to honor that and respect that. But if anything starts to change, if we start seeing things happen inside the church, we're going to make adjustments. We're going to adjust however we need to do. We're not sitting there looking at this like, that's past, we're moving forward. Does this help you guys? I just, I want you to know we're still going to lead through this thing as we go. Um, I just, I really do want to stress though, we don't want to let fear drive us. Fear is not your friend. Never has been, never will be. Don't let it become part of the way you think. Because oftentimes fear masquerades as wisdom. It looks really wise, but it may not be wisdom. It may just be fear. So we can judge that in our own hearts and take that to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles. Turn to Hebrews. I'm going to look all over the word today. You guys okay with that? Good. Yeah, Andrew, I'm good with that. I want to talk about family. If I, I feel like what's happening, and I've said this before, what's happening right now in the world is a demonic influence that wants to bring division. They will use, the demonic will use any avenue it can to do it, but it's all about division. It's all about separation. It's all about isolation. You guys ever watch like National Geographic? Come on, be honest. Be honest. I like, I like those shows. I like National Geographic. I used to watch it as a kid all the time. Marlon Perkins. Yeah, okay. Uh, that shows my age right there. Okay. I used to love to watch it. I like to watch Wild Kingdom stuff and things. But I, I've seen enough videos to know that the way a predator gets its prey is it isolates and separates one from the herd. The demonic does the same thing. It wants to separate, divide, and isolate. Why is that important? It's important because if we're not careful, we're going to think that we can live without the gathering of the saints. And we need it. We absolutely need it. Now, whatever it looks like, we want to be safe, we want to be thoughtful, but we need the gathering of the saints. Hebrews 10.25 says this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. You catching the heart in this? It's not being stupid. It's being wise. What does it look like for you? How are we living our lives so that we're not becoming isolated and separated? I know we have a lot in the realm of technology that allows us to stay connected to people, but I can tell you this, guys. A text does not communicate the heart. And if you've ever gotten in an argument over text, you know what I'm talking about. You can take it any way you want. The words can say one thing, their heart was one thing, but you can take it a completely different way. This is just a simple picture of why we need to communicate together. We need to talk, we need to be together. It's a strength that God has given us um, to be together. It's a I like to see it as the manifestation of the Godhead made known through the church. Ephesians 3 talks about that. It's made known through the body of Christ when we come together. There's a strength when I worship and I do it on my own, but there's a powerful, powerful thing that happens when we worship together. Amen? All the more we need to gather together. I can live alone and isolated and find salvation, but I can't live alone and isolated and find my destiny. 
I can live alone and isolated and I can find salvation, but I cannot live alone and isolated and find my destiny. I want to talk about this because our destiny, we've been talking about it a lot here in the church. If you're part of our life groups, you know this. We've been talking about destiny. What does it look like? Where are we going? What has God put on us? There's a mandate that God has given us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make disciples, right? And it never got rescinded. This is what we do. Inside of that, that's the, that's the great commission given to all of us. Inside of that, each one of us has a unique design. You were created beforehand for good works that God created beforehand for you to walk in, right? So he's designed a destiny for you, for everybody in this room. You can't find that destiny isolated. I promise you, you can't. This is why it's important that we gather together. And Jesus tells us in Luke, we're going to look at this one. He wants, he desires that every individual have the joy of understanding what it means to walk in the kingdom, to walk his family together. He says this in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses here, 22 through 32. Jesus taught his disciples saying, listen to me. Never let anxiety enter your hearts. Did he say let anxiety enter your heart just occasionally? Like, if you look at your time card, let it enter in 10% of the time. He says, never let anxiety enter your hearts. Never worry about any of your needs, such as food or clothing, for your life is infinitely more than just food or the clothing you wear. Take the carefree birds as your example. Do you ever see them worry? They don't grow their own food or put it in storehouses for later. Yet God takes care of every one of them, feeding each of them from his love and goodness. Isn't your life more precious to God than a bird? Be carefree in the care of God. Does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even one day? So if worrying adds nothing but actually subtracts from your life, why would you worry about God's care for you? Think about the lilies. They grow, become beautiful, not because they work hard or strive to clothe themselves, yet, not, yet even Solomon, wearing his kingly garments of splendor, could be compared to a field of lilies. If God can clothe the fields and meadows with grass and flowers, can't he clothe you as well? Oh, struggling one, with so many doubts, I repeat, don't let worry into your life. Here's a good one. Live above the anxious cares about your personal needs. Live above the anxious cares about your personal needs. Cody was leading us in it this morning. Seated with him in heavenly places. How do you do that? Set your mind on things above, Colossians says. Set your mind on things above. Why, why above? Because that's where you're seated. That's where you live. There's a superior reality called heaven that exists. A few weeks ago, we had a... Uh, Ray Goolsby in here speaking, and it was fantastic. He's one of our Bethel Leaders Network coaches, and he's an amazing man. Uh, just very humble, very sweet, very kind, him and his wife both. And he had said, he was talking about Ephesians when Paul had said, from whom the whole family of heaven and an earth is named. I think there's something to that. The whole family in heaven and an earth. If we are seated with him in heavenly places, that means our family is there. But it's also here. The whole family in heaven and in earth is named. I don't think that has to do with people who have passed and gone on. Because to him, there's no such context for that. It's the soul is alive, right, in him. 
You can kill the body, but you can't kill the person that's always alive. So the whole family in heaven, is this making sense? In heaven and in earth. Why is that important to understand? Because if I get captivated by what just happens on this planet right here, I'm not going to be able to impart the reality of what heaven has. I can't bring it to earth if I'm not thinking about that. If I don't have my mindset on those things, I can't bring those things into the planet here. That's part of our call, is to do that. Bring heaven into earth. Is there sickness in heaven? No, few of you know that. Is there sickness in heaven? No. But Andrew, people still get sick. Yes, I know that. But I'm not going to build a theology on why people get sick. I refuse to do that. I refuse to make up a theology why people get healed and some don't get healed. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. I got to give him some credit for knowing some things that I don't. And the minute I think I know what he knows, now I've reduced him into my image instead of me being conformed into his. There's just certain things I'm okay to be, have mystery around. You with me? There's certain things that are okay to have mystery around. Mystery is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We need to be okay with that. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of what? Kings to search it out. Are you kings? Priests? Unto God? Yes. Okay. Well, it's the glory of God to conceal. It's the glory of kings to search it out and find it. How do you find it? You set your mind on things above. You gather with people who are doing the same thing. When you get, isn't it encouraging when you get around people who are talking about the testimony of God, when they're talking about things that are happening, when they tell you, man, this just happened in my life. Let me tell you what God showed up. Doesn't it just like make you come alive inside? It makes all those things that seem to have weight and matter, it makes those things just kind of, yeah, that doesn't matter so much. Let's come back to what, let's come back to what God is saying. He goes on to say this. People everywhere seem to worry about making a living. But your heavenly father knows your every need and will take care of you. Each and every day he will supply your needs as you seek his kingdom passionately above all else. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. And he wraps up with this. Listen, he says this. Your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. He doesn't just give it to you like, all right, here you go. He gives it to you and goes, this is awesome. You are going to love this. This is so amazing. This is so wonderful. Wait till you get a hold of what is in the kingdom. Wait till you get wait till you unwrap this present right here called the kingdom. Wait till you realize to you to when you really see what this is and who you are in the kingdom, you just wait. This is gonna be amazing. This is gonna be amazing. He joyously wants to give us that kingdom realm. How many want to walk in the kingdom realm? I don't want to just talk about it like, oh yeah, well, you know, I've got the kingdom in me and stuff, and I do. And it's powerful, but I don't want to just have that as some kind of mental assent to some creed that we say. I want it to be manifest in my life. And I know that it can. I know this, too, that if you try to work for it, you won't get it. <laughs> for real. You try to work for it, you try to earn it, you won't get it. There's something about coming to the kingdom of God, entering into it with no agenda, with no striving, You enter into it and you just relax. You still the mind. You don't let it spin. Get caught up in all that religious nonsense. And you just begin to listen. Your heart begins to connect with his heart. Next thing you know, your heart's beating with his heart. Next thing you know, you're breathing out when he's breathing out. And you're breathing in when he's breathing in. 
Next thing you know, you're in this kind of euphoric place with him where you don't even recognize what you're giving off because of your connection with him living in the kingdom. Does this make sense? You're not so much worried about how people are perceiving me. You're more concerned with living in that union with him. And there it comes. There's proof. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Right? It doesn't say if you strive to be connected to me. He says if you abide in me. This is where it's found. He has joy. He finds joy bringing us into the kingdom. You guys like this? Yeah. Yeah. The question isn't do I need him? The question is do I want him? We can all say I need Jesus, but we have to move it a little bit further and say, no, I really am moving from need to want now. I want you. I want you. You can satisfy all my needs. We know that. We just read that. But do I really want you? Do I really want to be that connected to you? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's where it's at, though. When we move from need into want, that's where we find the kingdom. When we move from need into want. You hear sometimes we'll say, God, I want more, I want more, I want more. Well, he's given us everything that we need, but yet at the same time, I haven't fully accessed it. I know it's in my bank account, but I haven't made the withdrawal yet. And I want more, and I want more, and I want more. Now, I've been hearing this for a long time, but I'm starting to discover, even as I get older, that the only way to find the more, to find the destiny, to find the fullness of the kingdom is wrapped up in the church. You can't escape it. Oh, will the church hurt me? Yep, well, the church that hurt you will be the church that heals you. Because you can't get away from it. It may not be the same one, but you hear what I'm saying. The church that hurts you doesn't mean you can run away. You just find the part of the body of Christ that heals you. And then walk in that. Because Satan wants nothing more than for us to be isolated. He wants nothing more for people to get hurt in a building like this, being a part of a system like this, if you would, to get hurt, to get offended, and then move on. And then Satan's like, okay, I've done my job. Let me go mess with somebody else for a while. This is what he wants. This is his desire. But we need each other, desperately need each other. But we need Jesus even outside of a crisis, right? How many of you know that sometimes a crisis will, that's when people say, I really need Jesus. There's a problem with living like that, though, because if you need a crisis to have Jesus with you, you're always going to need a crisis in your life to be with Jesus. If you can't learn to live with him outside of the crisis, when you don't have, when you know your needs are met, you're not going to be able to fully experience what the kingdom has to offer and what people have to offer. I know this. I slip in and out of it too, okay? I'm not standing up here talking like I know everything. I know some things, and that's not like I live this perfectly, but I am saying this. I have experienced it. When I know that I'm living in communion with him, living in the body of Christ, I can hear people talking, but I know more than what they're talking about. I can see down into their soul. And why is that important? Not so I can say I can see down into their soul. It's so I can impart part of the kingdom to them. How many want to be around people like that? It's so good. I've been around people like that before that have carried that too. And it's so fun to get around them. They'll just start speaking. And when they're talking, you're just going, dang, what up? They're just saying things that you, I don't know. It may not sound like to the average person. It may sound like natural words, but what's coming out of them is the impartation of the kingdom. Why I keep coming back to this. We need each other. We need to sit in our room and read our Bible and engage with God, but we need to do the same thing when we're around people. That's where things get called out. Destinies get called out. Callings get called out. We find our destiny in people. I'm going to talk about three people this morning. 
that did that. Just examples. You're familiar with them. First Samuel chapter 9. Now, I'm not going to read the entire passage of scripture. I'll read this one right here. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Here's the context. Saul, before he was king, was sent by his father Kish to go find some donkeys that were lost. Okay? So he's out with his servant, and they are wandering around for days looking for these donkeys. Finally, the servant says, hey, there's this dude named Samuel. He's a seer. I think he might be able to tell us where those donkeys are. So he goes and finds Saul. He shows up, or he finds uh, Samuel. He shows up, and Samuel says this to him right here. Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer. I'm the one you're looking for right here. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Do I have that other passage there? Samuel 10, 5, and 6. Just let that sit for a minute. Saul stays with him overnight and he eats with him. And the next day, Samuel says this to him. You're going to come across some people here. I've given you a destiny. The whole desire of Israel is on you. And he answers and he goes, what am I? I'm the small Benjamite tribe. I don't have anything. What am I? You know, who, what is this all about? What are you talking about? Saul says to him, first of all, he says, the donkeys that you're looking for have been found. Stay here, and I'm going to tell you all that's in your heart. Now, isn't this awesome? This is just the way the kingdom works. He's caught up and worried about finding something in the natural. He's looking for these donkeys. And Saul, or Samuel, says to him, as for your donkeys, they've been found. Don't worry about them anymore. I love the kingdom of God because it brings you back to a place of what's important. It says that thing you've been worried about, you don't need to worry about that anymore. You don't need to worry about that. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what's really important. I want you to hang out with me tonight, have breakfast with me, and in the morning, I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. You guys familiar with the 1 Corinthians 14 passage? It gets manipulated a lot in the church. It talks about how to use the gifts, right? It talks about how to pray in tongues. It talks about prophecy. It talks about all this. And it says that this is why I want you to prophesy more than speaking in tongues. Because when the uninformed comes in and the unlearned, they come in and they can hear what's being prophesied. And they'll fall on their knees, they'll fall on their face and say, God is among you. In that same passage, he talks about, in that context of the church acting like they're supposed to, it says the secrets of the heart are revealed. Now, when I was growing up, when I read that passage, I thought, man, I don't want the secrets of my heart revealed. Come on, are you with me? How many would like to have right now, just for me to say... Okay, here it is, Mark Davidson. I've got a video of your life and everything that you think. Ready? Go. And put it up on the screen. That'd freak you out, right? I used to read that passage of scripture like that, that the secrets of their heart would be revealed. Uh Uh-huh, they're going to get you. That's what I used to think when I read that. I don't think that's what it's talking about. It says when the secrets of the heart are revealed, it's those God deposits that he's put in there that you don't even know what they're there for yet. Those secrets, those things get revealed in the context of the body of Christ and you start to discover who you are. The unlearned, the uninformed, they come in, they're a part of the body of Christ. You see what's happening, next thing you know, destiny, calling, all of that stuff starts coming out. The secrets of the heart are revealed. He goes on to say this, after this, Saul, he's telling him he's about to leave now. He says, after you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is and it will happen. When you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument. 
a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Then listen, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. What did, he had the word. He had the word from Samuel that this is what God has for you. But he couldn't find it fulfilled until he got around the right people. He says, you're going to see these guys, tambourines, harps, flutes, all this stuff. They're going to be prophesying. Just join up with them. And as soon as you do, you're going to be turned into another man. And he starts doing that. Now, come on, is this cool or what? I'm, I'm, I think there's something to this. It's not just about he began to prophesy. It was the fact that he got with the right people. And when he got with the right people, the thing that already had been spoken about his life as destiny and calling, now it starts to happen. But it can't happen without those people. The emphasis in our world is to do what you're good at. Right? Your talent, your gifting, is to do what you're good at. And that's good. That's fine. I'm a believer in that to some extent. But it's more than just doing what you're good at. It's about finding family, not just what you're good at. It's about finding what you're good at what God is calling you to in the context of family and watching it flourish. I'll put it this way. Any destiny outside of family is a perversion of destiny. Any destiny outside of family is a perversion of destiny because you're not meant to walk alone. As a matter of fact, when I walk in my destiny inside the body of Christ, other people can more fully walk in theirs. Right? It's, it is true. It's true. What would it look like if we as the church started to understand who we are, what we're created to be, walk in our destiny, and it would actually empower other people in the church to walk in theirs? But here's what happens when we don't think like from heaven's perspective and we think from earth's perspective. We see somebody walking in their destiny and they're confident and we call them prideful. Unless it's not... Unless they're actually confident in who they are and they're walking in that. And if we just change our attitude a little bit, I may be able to find what's inside of me walking next to this person that's found what's inside of them. Good word, Andrew. Yeah. Saul, he had the right word. He had the right destiny, but he needed to be around the right family. He needed to be around the prophets before he could actually be changed into it. There's another person I want to talk about. Paul, you ever heard of him? Without him, we don't have a bulk of the New Testament, you know. So think about this for a moment. I think it was 13 books. I don't know. I get my Bible study stuff right. I think he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. If, he, if we don't have Paul, we don't have those. And a lot of what he has written has given us the structure for how the church functions. It has given us the revelation that he got. It's, it's downloaded to us, right? No Paul, we don't get this. Here's the story of Paul. During those days... Acts 9, 1 through 7. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I don't know if it sounded like that, but I just thought I would put a little emphasis on that, okay? 
Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, who are you, Lord? God, you feel that? Here's a man who does not believe, who actually believes that Jesus was a heretic and he wants to kill anybody who's following him. But when the voice comes, you can't deny that. When the voice comes, he says, who are you, Lord? Not who are you, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now, get up, go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. Okay, he's got a word now. Paul has a word. Now, we know what happens. We look at this with hindsight, right? We know what happens, but he's got a word. Now, think about this for a moment. You've got the dude who's going around killing people, throwing them in jail, standing there, holding the coats of the people who were stoning Stephen. If you read that story, Paul was sitting there. He was the jacket caddy. Let me hold that for you while you stone him. He was totally like, this is what we do. We are going to kill these Christians. We are going to destroy them. He gets a word from God, says, go into the city. You're going to be told what to do. Now, we all know what happens because we, we can see that. But it says this in verse 26 and 27. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he attempted to introduce himself to the fellowship of the believers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'd be running. I don't know. I said, I'd be thinking this dude's going covert. He's trying to do something to, you know, I don't know. That would have been what would have been happening with me. Saul arrived in Jerusalem. He attempted to introduce himself to the fellowship of the believers, but everyone was afraid of him because they doubted he was a true disciple. Do you think? Verse 27, Barnabas came to his defense and brought him before the apostles. Saul shared with them his supernatural experience of seeing the Lord who spoke with him on the road to Damascus. Barnabas also told them how boldly Saul preached throughout the city in Jesus' mighty name. Without a Barnabas, we might be missing those 13 books of the New Testament. What did he need? He had the word. What did he need? He needed to be around the right people. When you get around the right people, the destiny comes out. Now, I get this to some extent. I'm going to pick on the church for a minute, okay? How many times, and don't raise your hand... Have you gone to a church because you like it or you agree with it instead of going because that's what God told you to do? Because if you go because you like it or you agree with it, the first time something goes wrong, you're out the door. There's an inherent problem with that. We've got a lot of people in the body of Christ living as spiritual vagabonds, floating around. I, I want to submit this to you that oftentimes in the difficulty that you have to embrace, that's where you find your destiny. When you stick it out and you go, and no church, I'm not saying this because something's going on in the church. I'm not saying that. Don't read anything into it. I'm just simply saying, when I look at the churches abroad, I look at it bigger than what we do right here. I have to, obviously. There's, I know there's people that run around and they'll bounce from church to church to church and it breaks my heart because I know they're never really going to fully find their destiny when they're still bouncing around. Well, I need to find the perfect church. Good luck with that one. And if you do find it, don't walk in the door because then you'll mess it up. Just a thought. Here's another one. You know the story of Ruth? Ruth marries into a family. All the men die. 
And Ruth's mother-in-law says, I want you to go back to your people. You know, I don't got anything for you here. Just go back to your people. And Ruth responds to her and says this. I love this passage. It's used a lot in weddings. Excuse me. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more so also if anything but death parts you and me. Naomi, her mother-in-law, was trying to take care of her by saying, go back to your people because I got nothing else. She even says at one point, what am I going to do? Get married tomorrow to somebody and then have another baby and you're going to wait for that baby to grow up and marry that man? Paraphrasing, but that's what she's saying. She's saying, look, I don't even know what to do here. I can't help you anymore. Why don't you just go back to your people? And this response from Ruth of understanding what family really looked like and why she needed to stay there. I don't know that she ultimately knew what was going to come from her. The line of David, ultimately Jesus, comes from this one person saying, I found my people. I found my people. My destiny will be found in my people. Yeah. Remember when Jesus talked, uh, he was talking with a a group of people and the, the context of it was his family was kind of ticked at him. And they say to him, hey, your mothers and your brothers, they're outside. They want to talk to you. And he goes, who are my brothers? My brothers, who are they? It's these right here. It's the ones who do the will of the Father. Sometimes the natural family isn't where you find your destiny. It's going to be found in a spiritual family. I'm not saying they can't both be together. I'm just saying sometimes the natural family is not where you find your destiny. You find it in your spiritual family. And it's those who are coming back to that reality, superior reality of heaven. They're living from that perspective towards earth. And they're saying, no, I want destiny. I want calling. I want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Jesus came to us because one person recognized her family was not from the natural. She has a child. They call him Obed. He's the father of Jesse. He's the father of David. You see what this does? Now think about this for a moment. What impact could your life have years after you're gone because you said, I found my destiny and family? I wasn't living like a spiritual vagabond. I found it. And I said, I'm getting involved. I'm, I'm with this group right here because this is who God has called me to. Hello, are you with me? What, think about that for a moment. How many want to leave a good legacy? Yes. I do. I, I mean, I think about that a lot. And the older I get, the more I think about it. I want to leave a good legacy. I don't know how I'm doing with it so far, but I'm going to trust that what I'm doing, what I know to be true, that God's going to make this thing work out. I want to see a good, get, a, a good legacy left. In my mind, what does it look like? It's my children's children's children is what I think about. I think about what are they doing generations from now? Are they still living in the presence of Jesus and saying, I want to see his kingdom come and his will be done? That right there is everything. That's everything. Nothing else really matters beyond that. What does it look like? Think about it. Meditate on that for a little bit. Hmm. We talk a lot about identity. We're an identity kind of people here. But I want to move us from who am I supposed to be to who am I supposed to be with? Because I ultimately can't find the be till I'm with the with. (laughs) 
Make sense? Till I find who I'm supposed to be with. No, this is not a call to a membership class that we're about to have. <laughs> there is nothing like that at all. I want, to, I want to move us on the inside and recognize that there is a demonic influence in the earth that wants to divide and separate and keep us isolated. He wants to do that. I'm telling you, church, you're always going to find a reason why you shouldn't be at a meeting with a group of people. The, listen, the world is filled with options and opportunities. Everywhere you look, you've got an option. You've got an opportunity. You've got something out there. But when you find what you're supposed to be doing and you let that distract you, you miss being a part of moving into your destiny. And here's the sad part. If you miss it, that means somebody else is missing you. Somebody else is missing what you bring to that. I'm just simply saying, let's look a little larger. Look a little bigger. Our lives are not meant to be take care of things on this planet, raise nice children, leave a nice inheritance, financial inheritance. Well, those things are great. They're wonderful. I think there's just something a little bit more important than that. Just a little bit. I would love more than anything, more than anything, to see a revival breakout that could not be contained. That is not man-centric. It's not church-centric. It finally becomes what it's supposed to be. Church, I mean, in a building church-centric. I want it church-centric in the sense of all the church. What would it look like? Last week I talked about it. I was passionate about it. I want to know what it looks like. How are you talking to the people around you? Are you engaging in what they're doing? It's not difficult. Just simply say, Lord, I want to see people like you see them. I need to see beyond whatever bothers me. I want to see them how you see them. Yes. <laughs> I think it's interesting that even God decided not to make himself one in the sense of he is one, but he manifests himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's demonstrating family. I think he does that in part for our finite minds that just can't handle it. That there's a multifaceted aspect to who he is. He's not three separate individuals. Trust me, they, they get along really, really well. Nobody's arguing over hierarchy. They're perfect family. <laughs> and he's chosen to bring us into that family. And I think if we just live from that perspective, we're all going to be able to see the destiny in the future that we want to see. And I know it's in your hearts. I've hung around most of you long enough to know this. It's in your hearts. You want to see it. You want to see it, but we need each other. Everybody stand up here. I want to pray for us. It's a reason why the word said he's a father to the fatherless. You can't miss it. I mean, you look throughout scripture, it's always going to come back to family. It always comes back to family. So I want to pray that... Holy Spirit, you would just quicken our minds and our insides, our very being, to be able to come back to that superior reality that we're more than just flesh and blood walking on this planet, that we are spiritual beings having a brief earthly experience. <laughs> we're not, we don't want to be people who are earthly beings having a brief spiritual experience. That the superior reality of heaven be made manifest on all of our lives, Lord God. This is what I'm asking for, all of us. Every desire of the heart gets filled in you. We already read that. Don't worry about any of that stuff. All that stuff takes care of in him. What I 
want to see is the kingdom manifest in the earth. So, Lord God, I'm praying for everybody in this room, everybody watching this, Lord God, that the desires of the heart be met, that the questions of the heart be answered, that anyone who's looking for donkeys would hear your voice say they've been found. So that we can ultimately hear the word that you're speaking into our soul. So we can grow up into you, who is the head of the church. And we can start to see a transformation in the world around us, not through political activation, but through a kingdom invasion. That shifts the thinking, Lord God. It takes mankind back to what we're supposed to be thinking about. Coming back to you. The word says you are the desire of all nations. Everybody on this planet desires you. They just don't know it. Lord, I'm praying for the manifestation of the kingdom. You, the family of God, to become what it's supposed to look like. So the world around us could see who he is. Anybody want to join me in this? Say amen. 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 Lord bless you guys. We're going to have a team up here if you want prayer for anything. Um, they're going to be here and available for you. Just anything at all. If you've got any kind of sickness, anything in your life, you just need somebody just to agree with you. We're talking about family. Just take advantage of it, okay? All right. Lord bless you all. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.